Tonight, we're just going to take some time and uh, we're going to do some inventory. Everyone say inventory. inventory. And we're going to look at some things. So let's just jump right into the scripture. It's the best way to start is with scripture. We're going to read 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 23. It says, let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Great, or great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. Amen. Great is the Lord. He is the most worthy of praise. He is the one to be revered above all gods. The gods of other nations are merely idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Verse 27. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty are in his dwelling. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. You know, there's a lot of entities in this world that demand respect. And they demand, uh, you know, give me honor, give me praise. And they demand that from people. But I find it Amazing that God does not demand it, but yet he deserves it. He doesn't demand our respect. He doesn't demand that we honor him. He doesn't demand that we serve him, but yet he deserves it. He deserves my respect. He deserves my honor. He deserves my praise. He deserves my reverence. Now listen to this. He deserves to be feared. The modern church, especially the American church, has been ministered to in such a way that has done a great disservice to the body of Christ. There's been this wonderful message of grace that the Apostle Paul came and he preached. And in the modern day church, that message of grace has turned into a message of abuse. To where now Christians abuse the mercy of God. Christians abuse the long-suffering of a holy God. Christians abuse the compassion and the grace of the living God. And through this message, what we've done is we've placed ourselves above him. And we've said, it's my life. Let me live out. And then when we make a mess of it, now we turn us around and we demand of God to do something. Who am I to demand anything from a holy God? And this is what I believe is going to happen tonight. God is going to seriously check some hearts in the room. He's going to minister to us. And some of us, We're in high school and we're getting ready to graduate in a year or two years. And we've gotten to this place where we're a little abusive in our relationship with God. And then there's other of us, we're just younger and and, and we're coming up in the things of God. And this message is going to help you stay on focus and on point to where you don't become abusive in this relationship with him. I like this out of the Message Bible and I want to read it real quick. It says this in verses 30 through 33. It says, God is serious business. Take him seriously. 
He put the earth in its place and it's not moving. So let heaven rejoice, let earth be jubilant, and pass the word among the nations, God reigns. Someone say, he reigns. Let the ocean and all the teeming with life below, let the field and all of its creatures sake the rafters. Then the trees in the forest will add their applause to all who are pleased and present before God. I like this last part. He is on his way to set things right. There's something that's burning on the inside of me. There's a scripture in Galatians that talks about God will not be mocked. And the way some of us live our lives is a mockery to God. And he's asking us to check ourselves tonight. Now I want to read simply out of Psalms chapter 1. And we're going to discuss this for a minute. And you know the Psalms is a collection of Psalms written by many different authors. They believe that David wrote, at least we know 73 of the Psalms because his name is on it. And then they believe he wrote more than that. Ezra wrote some, Moses wrote some. David's choir director wrote some. A bunch of people wrote these, and they were collected by Ezra. Here in Psalms chapter 1, they're not exactly sure who the author is. They don't know if it's David or if it's Ezra. I believe it's David. And the reason I believe it's David is because we're going to look and talk about Samuel here in a minute. David learned some things. And the pain he went through, he's now writing about it here in Psalms. And so let's just look at it. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join with scoffers, but they delight in everything the Lord wants. Day and night they think about his law. They're like trees planted along the riverbanks, bearing fruit in each season without fail. Their leaves never wither. And all they do, it prospers. But this is not true. So he's painting a picture. He's, he's painting a picture of people who stand with God and they avoid these certain things. And then he goes in to paint the picture of what that looks like. But then he paints a picture of what it looks like with people that don't stand with God. And he says, but this is not true of the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. Last verse. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Now I'm going to give you David's story here in just a minute. And when we give you David's story, it's going to put all this in context. And you're going to understand why he wrote what he wrote. But just verse 1, it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with scoffers. That word right there, scoffers, also means ungodly. But when you look it up in the Greek, in the Greek it actually means imposters. And there's a lot of people in the church today, and they're just imposters. This gathering that we're doing right now means nothing to them. David was anointed king. He was Jesse's youngest son, and Samuel came to Jesse's house, and he was looking for the next king. He went through all of Jesse's children, and no one met the qualifications that God had to be king. And then he found this little shepherd boy. And when he found this shepherd boy, he said, that is God's 
king. And David, he entered into being God's man and being God's king. And he served as God's king for a long time. And most of those years, he achieved great things working hand in hand with God. And then what happened to David is he got a little too big for his britches. He forgot the one that appointed him as king. Listen to me. Some of us have forgotten the one who has saved our life. And God's encouraging you today. If you forgot, then come back and have a holy reverence and a holy fear for the one who died for you. And if you haven't forgotten, God has encouraged you to stay in this place of honor of the living Christ. And we see in 2 Samuel where the Bible tells us that it was time of war and all the kings went out to war. And what was David? He was a king. But he forgot his assignment as king, and so he said, you know what, I'm just going to stay home. And he sent his military out there, he sent his armor, he sent his generals, he sent his soldiers out there. And it says one day David woke up from his slumber and he went out for a walk on the, the roof of the palace and he looked across and he saw a lady named Bathsheba and she was taking a bath and she had this beauty about her and David said, I have to make her mine. Realizing or not realizing that was the wife of one of his greatest commanders and soldiers, Uriah. But Uriah is out at battlefield where David told him to go. So he sent his servants out to get Bathsheba and he brought Bathsheba into his house and he laid with her. And the moment he did that, he entered into sin. I don't know who lied to you and told you that there's not consequences for sin, but there are. And let me tell you why. It's not because God's not a loving God. He absolutely is. But what sin does is it separates us from his care and his divine protection. Separates us from his goodness and his mercies that are new every single morning. It makes us completely vulnerable to the attacks of the devil. If you'll listen to what I'm saying tonight, God can save your life. And I'm telling you, it's just as serious as this. He has shown me. He has shown me. And David is the example that God gave me on Monday, because this happened on Sunday night. <laughs> and I was standing getting ready to be prayed for, and I don't think I'm supposed to do this publicly, so I'll do it privately, but it was somebody in the room that's in this room tonight. And they were about to get prayed for, and before they got prayed for, the Lord told me, They'll either let the devil destroy their life or to let God use their life. See, David had that same choice to be destroyed by the devil or to be used by God. And so David realized he'd made a mistake, but now he's in love with another man's wife. And so what does he do? He sends a messenger from his palace out to the battlefield and he says, send Uriah out to the, the most fierce place of battle. And once you put him out there, withdraw the troops. And so they did that. And his soldier, Bathsheba's husband, finds himself abandoned on the battlefield and he ends up dying in battle because David wanted his wife for himself. Now, after that, David's life really begins to unravel. Him and Bathsheba, they want to have a child, so he impregnates her. The child is born, and the child dies. 
His daughter, Tamar, is raped and taken advantage of. I don't remember exactly, but I think it was one of his sons that did it. And then his son that raped his daughter was then killed by her brother-in-law. And then, after a while, one of David's other sons starts a coup against his father to steal his kingdom that God gave him. Don't think what God has given you cannot be taken from you. And that's the lie the devil wants you to believe. God can't take this from me. And because this is what we're preached to, not here at Cornerstone, but by celebrity pastors. You're Gucci, man. Just do whatever. God's love. You're fine. You're fine. It's all fine. Just do it. And God is screaming at the top of his lungs. You're going to lose everything. You're going to lose everything. I gave you everything through the sacrifice of Jesus. Now all you have to do is just hold on to it. Don't compromise. Don't jeopardize what I've given you. Take this seriously. Hold to it tightly. Don't run from it. Your life is in the balance. And what happens to you? Because there's two laws that are so active in the earth today and you can't see them because there's spiritual laws. There's sin and death and spirit and life. These two laws are everywhere. It's swirling around in this room right now and outside of this room. Spirit of law, of sin and death and spirit of life. One is of the devil and one is of God. And he's done everything to translate us from that law of sin and death into this new law of spirit and life. And so after David's son gets a coup to overthrow him, he overthrows his father. And then his father, who's the king of Israel, is expelled from the land. And out there, being away from his kingdom, he writes Psalms chapter 1. And it's like he's remembering and painting a picture for us of his mistakes and how he got from point A to point B. And he's showing us, I did these things. Oh, the joys who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Because David, when he first started, he didn't follow he followed God. And he's saying to us, what a joyful time that was. What a good time that was. Yes, there were battles, but God pulled me through every one. Oh, the joys of those who don't listen to the advice of the wicked. And then he says this, or stand around with the sinners or join in with the imposters. And David is saying to us, I was playing king instead of being king. And because I was being an imposter and I was playing with what God gave me, it cost me everything. And that is what he's telling you tonight. We are not here to be imposters. We are not here to play church. I am not here to be an imposter of Christianity. I am here to be the real deal. You are not here to be a fake imitation 
of the goodness of God. You are not here to be an imposter of his love and his mercy and his grace. You are here to be the real deal. And the only way that happens is if we take a moment and we step back and we say, okay, it is time to take this serious. All, no, I I can't say all, but the modern teaching we get so many times, it makes God so soft. (laughs) But there's still a side of judgment, guys. There's still a side of this that is not to be played with. This is to be taken serious. God is serious. And he's given warning to us tonight. This is what it is. Please hear me and hear my heart. How we love you so very much in this youth ministry and we want the absolute best for you. And we stand up here and we scream at you because we know the avenue to get that to you is God. We stand up here and we challenge you and we say, listen, take this serious. Don't play with this. It's real and it matters. And David is proof of that. I was just an imposter. And you know what? He just played king for a moment when he stopped being serious about it. And in that moment, it cost him everything. This is so real to me, guys, because it's not just in stories, in biblical examples. I've seen this in real time. I remember one time we took the youth ministry and we went white water rafting. And before we were about to leave for our white water rafting trip, there was this young man who was coming to the youth group and he backslid. And he thought he could have this relationship with God, but also do drugs and, and drink and, and do all this other stuff and got into some weird worship. And I didn't know this at the time. He called me and he said, what are you guys doing? And I said, well, we're about to go white water rafting and it just so happened we had an extra spot, one spot left. And I was like, you want to come with us? And he's like, yeah, sure. So we took him on the trip. We're up at the cabin because we drove up the day before and we, we slept there the night. We were going to go out early the next morning. We were going to raft down the Koi River. And somebody walked into the bunk where I was sleeping and woke me up and said, hey, you got to come to the bathroom right now. you got to come to the bathroom right now. I don't know what's going on. I was like, okay, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. And so I go into the bathroom, and this young man that came with us is just vomiting into the toilet. vomited in the toilet. And at first I didn't know what to do and then the Spirit of God told me because he's been playing with this stuff, he's opened himself up and now he's possessed by a demon. See guys, (laughs) spiritual activity, whether you believe it or not, is very real. And he's in there and he's just making this violent noise, vomiting, and and there's nothing left to vomit, so he's just dry heaving into the toilet. And so I just, I walked into the stall. Now, y'all, we're going to camp in the summer. This won't happen at camp, all right? 
I walked into the stall and the, the Holy Spirit just on the inside of me, I had this witness, just use the name of Jesus. And so I said, in the name of Jesus. And when I said in the name of Jesus, this violent, loud screech. Jesus. Just like that. And I have this other teenager in the room and he's looking at me like, what is going on? And then after that loud screech, the other teenager that was at the toilet just fell to the floor and just laid there. Why do we act like this stuff isn't real? Angels and demons are real. Heaven and hell is real. Why do we act like it's not? Why do we play with God? Act like he's not the creator of the universe? Why do we, why do, we do this? There is stuff and forces in this world that wants to destroy you. And lots of times, the only thing perfect or protecting you from utter destruction is God Almighty himself. If you knew every time an angel was watching over you and fighting for you and protecting you, if you could see the spiritual activity going on around you all the time with demons trying to attack you and angels protecting you, if you could see this stuff, it would absolutely blow your mind. And I was praying last week, was it the Acts 13 meeting was last week, and all I could keep praying out was angelic help and angels, 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 angelic activity, angelic activity. And I believe that they're here right now. And I believe that it Eventually, at some point, some of you are going to see them. Because the spiritual stuff that we talk about at youth on Wednesdays and Sunday mornings and we read about, it is greater than the natural stuff because the natural stuff was created by the spiritual stuff. God, who is a spirit, created everything you see, and he is greater than all this, and he's preserved your life, and now he's screaming to somebody in the room, don't play with this, because if you play with it, I can't protect you. I can't keep you. And he got me and pricked my heart on Monday and said, tell him, Tell them, tell them, be serious. This is serious business. This is life or death. And somebody might leave tonight mocking this message. And if you do, you've made yourself completely vulnerable to what the devil wants to do. God had a destiny for Adam. Just like he's got a destiny for every single one of you, just like he had a destiny for David, he's got a destiny. And the devil wants to steal that, and he is trying everything right now, guys. You know, he's called the prince of the air. The devil is. Sound travels through air. If you could see how he's trying to manipulate you through 
social media, if you could see how he's trying to manipulate you to where you're not serious about this life of faith. Heed my words tonight because they're not mine. They're the Holy Spirit. Heed these words. Don't be casual in this relationship with the Creator. Amen. It's everything. It is everything. 